Welcome to the Think Christian Podcast. We like to say there's no such thing as secular, and we try to say it gently. I'm Josh Larson, editor over at thinkchristian.net and your host. I don't know about you, but my summer has been short on gentleness. I'm not going to run down the list of dispiriting headlines or catalog the angry discourse surrounding them, but suffice it to say, things have been pretty loud, pretty aggressive. But then Sarah Welch Larson wrote an article over at thinkchristian.net about the new movie Marcel the Shell with Shoes On, and my heart lifted a little bit while reading it. I went to see the film. This is a stop-motion feature about the daily life of a little shell with one googly eye and, yeah, shoes. And I was refreshed by its uncommon gentleness. This got me thinking about other pieces of pop culture, like the HBO Max series Julia, about the TV chef Julia Child, that also had a gentle spirit. And then, of course, that got me thinking about gentleness as a fruit of the Spirit, as described in Galatians 5. So Sarah's going to be joining me alongside Joe George to discuss a Christian understanding of gentleness in the context of Julia and Marcel the Shell, how those two shows and the movie model it, and how we might carry it out in our own lives. As this is the last episode before the next gathering of the TC Movie Club, I also wanted to give one more plug for our summer session, where we'll be discussing the prophetic voice of Jordan Peele. Peele's new film, Nope, comes out on July 22. We're going to be discussing that and his two previous movies, Get Out and Us, when we get together at 2 p.m. Central on Saturday, August 6. Now, if you're not part of the club and you want to be a part of that online discussion, we'll send you a meeting invite and a link. You just have to sign up at thinkchristian.net slash movie club. That's thinkchristian.net slash movie club. I've also made a video essay about us and Jeremiah 11.11 that you can watch on the Think Christian channel over on YouTube, and it'll give us a few talking points for our conversation. So far, those TC Movie Club discussions have been fairly gentle. It's a very gracious group that gets together, so newcomers should feel welcome. Let's go ahead and talk more gentleness with Sarah Welch Larson and Joe George. It takes two guests to tackle a movie as massive and confounding as Marcel the Shell with shoes on, apparently, because I have Sarah Welch Larson and Joe George here. Welcome to the both of you. Happy to be here. I just, of course, I mean, this is, movies don't get much simpler than Marcel the Shell, I think. So we have basically an adaptation of a series of stop motion shorts uh, here, a shell it's about a shell that talks about the ways he gets through his day. That's pretty much it. Um, manages things despite his small stature, despite his lack of arms. I mean, he's <laughs> he's got to deal with that. So not too much going on here in terms of complication. For this movie version, the creators, Dean Fleischer-Camp and Jenny, Slight, and Jenny Slate, they do heighten the stakes a little bit. We learn here that Marcel and his grandmother, who is voiced by Isabella Rossellini, were once part of this happy community of anthropomorphic items until one day everybody else mysteriously disappeared. And so a documentary filmmaker who's renting the home where Marcel lives helps Marcel by making videos of him asking tips, asking for tips about his family's disappearance, and then they put those up on the internet. Fleischer Camp plays the filmmaker. He mostly remains 
off camera and Slate returns as the voice of Marcel. I want to start with you, Sarah, because you did write about the movie for the TC website. Why should people actually go to a theater to see something like this when they could just watch the shorts at home? I think because the movie adds an additional dimension, like it's still very small, just like the original shorts, but it adds an additional dimension with this story about Marcel missing his family and his community and trying to make that reconnection, as well as that connection between Marcel and his Nana Connie, played by Isabella Rosalini as well. To tell the truth, I was really skeptical about this movie because the original shorts really didn't do anything for me. And the movie completely disarmed me, I don't know, about 20 minutes in. And then after that, I was completely along for the ride. So even if you don't like the shorts, I think that this is still a story that's worth checking out because it sort of complicates those shorts a little bit in some interesting and and really clever ways. Okay, and good to know, because there are folks who have never heard of Marcel before, mm-hmm. you know? And I mean, I was familiar with the shorts, but there may be skeptics like you were. There may be maybe people this is entirely new. So that's good to hear that you think, at least for you, it did work as somewhat of a skeptic. Uh, Joe, how about you? How aware of Marcel were you before uh, his big movie, and, and what did you make of it? I saw the trailer, like, 10 days ago, and it's the first time I've heard of this. Tell me about what's life like. It's pretty much common knowledge that it takes at least 20 shells to have a community. My cousin fell asleep in a pocket, and that's why I don't like the saying everything comes out of the wash, because sometimes it doesn't, or sometimes it does, and they're just like a completely different person. So. And it felt like, you know, is this a children's book thing that I've missed? I've got young kids, so I thought I was pretty plugged in, but I'd never seen the shorts, had no idea what it was. Until I saw Sarah's article for TC come across, and then you launched the idea for the podcast. So, and I'm coming off of I just watched it, finished watching it maybe 30 minutes ago. So I am wow, very okay. fresh and full. <laughs> full disclosure: I watched it on my iPad because I'm not, it's not playing anywhere around here. And right. I got to say that was not the way to watch this movie. Mm. It really, mm. while I'm sitting there watching it, I'm thinking. I wish I was watching this in the theater because it is simple and does have small stakes, but the cinematography is gorgeous and the sound is really lovely. And it felt like it deserved kind of, it deserved space. You know, the, the, mm. there's a lot of slow kind of pushing shots of this, <laughs> this Airbnb house, you know, very, very nicely attired Nancy Meyer style house in which the entire thing <laughs> takes place. And, and then there's these lovely green outdoor shots where you just wish that you're getting the whole thing and not, you know, staring at a tiny little iPad. So I did think it was quite lovely and worth watching in the theater for sure. Yeah, you're right. It's, I didn't, I don't want to sell it short visually. I'm glad you bring that up. It's very elegantly made. And in a way, the bigger screen lets you appreciate all of those stop motion details. I mean, the, the, the heart of any form of animation for me is the detail, what is in the details. So stop motion maybe in particular, and uh, I think it probably does take a larger screen to appreciate that. I also was happy to be it to see it in a theater that was, you know, not jammed, but had other people sort of giggling and just laughing and even, you know, kind of sighing <laughs> in, in sort of like an awe type of way, uh, which helps with the experience too. So, so yeah, definitely as I think at this point, it probably has expanded a little bit more and is more available to people. Go ahead and check this out in a theater if you're at all able to. So let's talk about the reason 
I thought it would be good after reading Sarah's piece and seeing it myself. It would be good for the subject of the podcast. Let's talk about a theology of gentleness. And that brings us to Galatians 5. This passage begins with a familiar call from the Apostle Paul, who's echoing Jesus here, saying, love your neighbor as yourself. And then he warns after that, there's this bit, if you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So maybe something like a first century prediction of social media there we're getting sounds familiar to me at least. Then you jump ahead a little bit to verses 22 and 23, and that's where we get this list of the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So I would like to hear from each of you, what does Christian gentleness look like in particular? And did you see anything like that in Marcel the Shell? How about, Sarah, we'll start with you. Yeah, I think Christian gentleness is is this thing of, it's not necessarily niceness, because I think that it is possible to be nice without being gentle, or it's possible to be gentle without being nice. And I, I think this this level of gentleness is this appreciation of, I am dealing with another human being who has also been created in the image of God, and I am going to treat that image of God with the respect and the care that it deserves. And that doesn't mean being rough with somebody else. I think that means approaching that person on the level that they need to be approached and at the level of tenderness that I think all of us really like need and, and deserve and, and should be treated with. And so I think that this movie kind of approaches that really quite beautifully. And it's not just in the level of the story, which is very, you know, kind and sweet and gentle and, and relatively simple. It's also the way that the camera treats its subject. So we talked a little bit about like the expansiveness of the camera and the way that it looks on a big screen. And I think that that camera work is incredibly smart because it is a lot of like soft, gentle pushes in on its subjects, but it also treats those subjects with politeness and respect. It, it never really feels like Marcel is necessarily the butt of the joke. It's almost like he's in on the joke. And in the moments where the film needs to really emphasize the scale of the story in the terms that Marcel is very small, it's able to do that while also making, I don't know, it, it, it treats him very tenderly, but I think it also treats him as like a character who feels very small in a very large world. There's this incredible shot, and I talk about it a little bit in, in the piece on the website, where Marcel is sitting on the dashboard of a car looking out over a valley, and you can see the mountains behind him and you can see all of the tiny little houses there and the camera is placed really far back in the car. So he looks so small on that giant screen. And I think it's really, it, it could be funny, but I think it's also a punctuation and, and a moment of tenderness of this character realizes just how small he is too. And we've been sort of, it's been pointed out throughout the movie up until this point, but it treats him where he's at emotionally. And I think that that, that level of gentleness and tenderness is, is something that really comes across throughout the entire movie, but that one shot in particular. And that's a great example, that shot of what Joe was saying about, you know, a larger screen being able to really capture what the filmmakers are after there. Yeah, when I was thinking about Christian gentleness, what the word that leaps to mind is, for me, space, as in giving somebody else space and all of the, the things that come with that, you know, space to mess up space to be what you mm. don't want them to be or expect them to be, you know, it's just space to be a person. Because when I think about Christian gentleness, as opposed to other types of gentleness, there is that sort of eternal view that we have where mm. 
you're ever locked into this one thing. And so when I think about gentleness in, in Marcel the Shell, I think about all of these shots of the camera just going around the house while Marcel's talking in this really cutely voice. And especially this, well, I won't give away spoilers, but especially after a scene where um, it turns sad and the camera just sits there and the documentary director just asks little questions and lets Marcel respond however he needs to respond. And it's quiet and it gives space. And I didn't watch this movie with my kids, but I thought this would be perfect, a perfect way of thinking about grief and bad things happening for children that they just mm. it gives them room to process and that was a perfect example of what i think of with christian gentleness as opposed to any other type of gentleness i love that love the idea of giving space and in terms of grief often we're told well you just need to be there maybe don't say anything because a lot of times i know i tend to say the wrong thing or something that's not helpful or it's a platitude and you and but you both kind of feel like uh eh, but if your presence is just there, the space that you're talking about is a form of gentleness. Um, so, yeah, I like that a lot. Yeah, it's kind of hard to spoil this movie, Joe, because there, there are plot developments. But I do want to talk about the ending. And it's not really plot related what I want to talk about. So I hope this isn't a spoiler for folks. But it's more about an observation that Marcel shares that happens to come near the end of the film. Because it really did connect with me with Galatians 5 and another phrase from Galatians 5 where Paul talks about near the end keeping in step with the Spirit, holding these qualities including gentleness and keeping in step with the Spirit. And we get a shot near the end where Marcel is showing us one of his favorite spots in the house and it's this windowsill where a soft breeze flutters in and he's standing there, the curtains are gently floating behind him. Here are some of those details we're talking about that you need to a big screen maybe to appreciate. And he describes how the wind echoes through his shell, and that makes him feel like he's a small but crucial part of the world's beauty. I'll just leave it there. There's another element to that uh, that I think is even more wonderful, but I'll definitely leave that to be a surprise. I found it incredibly moving, and I also like to think of it as Marcel is as being in step with the spirit there, the way he talks about being a part of something that's larger than him, but he's a crucial part. And so that was one of the loveliest moments in, in the film for me. What else should we share about this film? Do we maybe want to share a favorite Marcel gag? Um, like, you know, the, the way he, he rolls around in a tennis ball that a part of it has been cut open. It's like his car. That's how he gets around. Did, did either of you have a favorite little bit like that or anything else you guys wanted to touch on before we wrap up on Marcel? Oh, man. So many. I think the tennis ball is good because they keep coming back to it. And, and there's a lot of like bumping around and like a lot of it almost felt like, oh, how did they do that? And we know that it's, it's stop motion, but it looks really smooth. So I think not just the tennis ball, but the way that the tennis ball interacts with other people and, and beings who are in the house, there's a dog present at one point. <laughs> and I can imagine how my own dog would, would react to having a tennis ball suddenly start moving around on its own as well. <laughs> Combined with Jenny Slate's voice acting, which is just oh. fantastic. I mean, I like her generally, but it's just fantastic what she brings to this character. And like the little, the, in regards to the tennis ball, which she, she described as a car, she's like, you know, you're going to want to watch where you park it and make sure it's level because otherwise it's not going to be there. You know, these, <laughs> these little perfectly guileless observations that she makes. I love when Marcel teases. 
15. You can see, right? He's It's not just naive creature we're dealing with here, but someone who's smart and witty. And yeah, I'm glad you point out too the child voice thing, because that's what it is. That's essentially who the character is. And it's what the voice is. But I don't think of Marcel as a child. I think part of that is because she is doing more with it than just playing a kid, you know, playing a kiddie voice that, yeah, could get, could get annoying. Well, Thank you, Sarah and Joe, um, for coming on to talk about Marcel. You guys are going to stick around. We're going to talk about Gentleness and Julia next. This is the HBO Max series about TV chef and French cooking expert, Julia Child. You know, escargot, snails, that's a French dish. And I kind of, it makes me think about the snail that must have lived inside Marcel. Oh, no. Better point. if we don't think about that. <laughs> Should we not? Should we not go down this rabbit hole? Probably no, I not. have questions about the digestive tract. I want to help talk about this. <laughs> uh, let's move on. Okay. See the curtains hanging in the window in the evening on a Friday night. Little light is shining through the window. Let me know everything's alright. Summer breeze. Hey there, John J. Thompson here, your gentle DJ, spinning some chill classics over here on the Think Christian playlist that I've pulled together for this episode's theme. That was, of course, the inimitable Seals and Crofts with their 1972 hit Summer Breeze, which might not specifically be about gentleness, but certainly demonstrates that spirit in its tone and vibe. Half of that incredible duo, James Seals, just passed away about a month ago. There is really no way to overstate how significantly he and his partner, Dash Crofts, influenced the music scene of the 1970s with their laid-back mellow sound. You'll hear a few more along those lines, as well as tunes by Bright Eyes, Brandy Carlisle, Imagine Dragons, Glenn Campbell, Lowe, Leonard Cohen, Beatles, Billy Bragg, and Joe Henry, Eagles, and Herbie Hancock, who you'll hear a little bit later in the show here as well, and a lot more. I don't know about you, but music has long been critical in my pursuit of gentleness, both in how I treat others and how I appreciate being treated. Sure, music can calm even the angry beast in me, but I suspect that it's something about the power of music to inspire empathy and reflection that makes it so effective as a driver of gentleness. Find this list by searching for the Think Christian profile and following it there on Spotify. You'll see this mix right there on the top of the list of playlists. And if you can think of a great gentleness song that I might add, tweet at me at John J. Thompson, and I'll see what I can do. Until next time, this is JJT encouraging you to chill, take it easy, breathe deep, and take care of yourself and someone else if you can. Peace. Josh Larson back with Sarah Welch Larson. No relation. I feel like I need to point that out every once in a while, Sarah. I get that on occasion too. (laughs) Yes. And Joe George. Our next topic, it isn't quite as fresh as Marcel the Shell with Shoes On, which is now in theaters. Julia wrapped up its run on HBO Max in May. That is when my wife, Debbie, watched it. And when I was talking to her about the theme of this episode, she said it would make a pretty good match. So the three of us have caught up with a handful of episodes. And Joe, maybe you can start us off here for those who are unfamiliar with Julia Child. Can you fill listeners in on what the series is basically about and what did you think of it? 
I can tell them about that because I didn't know anything about Julia Child going into this. Like, uh-huh. I knew who she was, but I know more like Saturday Night Live impressions more than I've known her as a cook. I'm, a, I'm not uh-huh. I'm a terrible cook. I have nearly poisoned my family numerous times. So um, she was a uh, a. a Author of a cookbook that introduced French-style cuisine. No, I don't really know what French-style cuisine is. It's not chicken nuggets. She introduced that to Americans like me and initially did this through a cookbook, but eventually transitioned that into this long-running and highly influential cooking show. Like, it sounds like there would be no cooking channel had it not been for Julia Child. She's this perfect blend of knowledge and she's a master of her craft, but is also completely assuming and able to explain it to idiots such as me. I know her through Saturday Night Live impressions because she has a very distinctive mid-Atlantic high class American accent. And so the show kind of follows the development of her switching from cookbooks to putting the show into production. And it stars Sarah Lancashire as Julia and David Hyde Pierce as her husband, Paul. And I got to say, when Josh, you first asked me uh, to join Uh on this one, I was a little worried because, again, I'm not a cook and I didn't know what to think of the show. And my wife went several times and walked behind me going, yeah, exactly, exactly. I'm usually on for the gross stuff or the superhero stuff. (laughs) And my wife's even like watching behind me going, what are you watching? Are you watching a cooking show? And this show is delightful. (laughs) It is so wonderful. It is it, it's not without its conflicts, but it's one of those shows in which conflicts are largely resolved through smart people talking to one another and being kind and listening to one another, which mm-hmm. is such, especially for me who watches most things where people resolve conflicts through punching each other or stabbing each other. It is really nice and sweet, and it's a very delightful show. Good. I'm so glad. So glad you enjoyed it. Yeah, probably not what I usually seek out either, but kind of something that I feel like I needed and came at the right time for me. So I enjoyed it as well. How about you, Sarah? Was Julia Child new to you? What what do you think of the show? Most of what I know about Julia Child comes from the movie Julia and Julia, which is quite good and also a solid introduction to her if if you're not familiar with her work. I think I've seen a few episodes of The French Chef, uh, her TV show as well. And of course, the Dan Aykroyd impression, which is spot on and extremely good. This is also not a show that I think I would have sought out myself. I think it's pretty good. I think that there is a level of simplicity to it in terms of the conflicts that I'm not the world's biggest fan of necessarily, but I think the way that the show presents its conflict is one that I found personally quite refreshing, especially between Julia and Paul. I think I think it is delightful to watch two middle-aged people on an HBO TV show who are clearly crazy about each other and who also drive each other crazy just doing life together and supporting each other in their work. It's a good show. It's probably not my favorite show, but I think it's also the kind of show that I probably needed at this point in time. And the description of simplistic, I think, is entirely fair. I That word came to mind as well. These are richer character portraits, I think, than that word implies. So I don't mean it in terms of the characters, but in terms of the plotting and the resolutions, as you said, Joe. Yeah, I would agree with that. As well, it isn't the most sophisticated series that I've seen, but still, these qualities we've already discussed are the ones that do make it such an enjoyable, enjoyable watch. So I watched uh, Julia Child on the French 
chef with my mom growing up on Saturday mm -hmm. nights. I can distinctly remember this. The same night, maybe I'm blending these together, but I think it was Saturday night, and these would have been reruns at this point of The French Chef, but we also watched This Old House, Siskel and Ebert, and then The Muppets were all <laughs> kind of in a row. So we ordered pizza from the local pizza place, and um, yeah, it was, you know, some of those shows were maybe more gentle than others. Muppets aren't always so gentle, but in my memory, <laughs> it certainly made for some very cozy Saturday nights. And Sarah Lancashire in this lead role, she's absolutely from my memories, the spitting image of Julia Child, mm -hmm. the voice, the posture, but also this idea of gentleness, which is something I remember as, as well, being part of her persona, her television persona. So mm -hmm. as we think again about gentleness as a fruit of the spirit, is that something you guys see largely in Lancashire's performance, or were there other elements of the show that echoed a spiritual gentleness for you. How about you, Joe? Well, Sarah alluded to this already, but there is a conflict between Julia and her husband, Paul, who initially dislikes television and uh, doesn't think that she should be showing, giving her gifts to television and is quite pigheaded about the entire thing. And again, the, for, the way that resolves is slowly she kind of explains to her him how much this means to her and does a little bit of finessing and, and stroking his eagle, a little, probably more than she probably needed to, but gets him on side and he becomes supportive sometimes in his own bumbling way. And for somebody who is a bumbling pig, like to admit, there's a bit of grace and gentleness in that, you know, that you have again that space to kind of screw up and something still wonderful can come despite your own shortcomings. And, and I see a little bit of that in that relationship. What do you say, Sarah? Um, I think a lot of it just has to do with the food, both the way that the, the food is presented in the TV show and then also the way that Julia is feeding everybody constantly. Brings to mind a little bit of Ratatouille, honestly, like that similar like mm. level of, of, of care and presentation. But I think in this case, a lot of it is just this is this food that has been plated for you and we're allowed to sort of feast on it visually as well. So not just Julia as a character, but also the show in general is, is incredibly generous, I think, with, with those shots of food. It made me hungry watching it. And every single episode that I watched, I watched right after eating dinner and I still wanted to eat everything that showed up <laughs> on the screen. So I think success there for sure. Yeah, that's a good test, definitely. For me, a couple of moments come to mind from the episodes I've seen. The second episode, this is the pilot taping of The French Chef, and it doesn't go great. I mean, she's new to this. Not everyone at the television station is that invested in it. It isn't a huge success, but she takes this moment afterwards to still softly thank the crew. Mm -hmm. And that struck me as a moment, an interesting moment of gentleness in defeat, sort of. Uh, thank you all, truly. I'm sorry if I let you down. Feel free to dig in and enjoy. I thought the taste was lovely. And then episode three focuses on her relationship with her father, played by James Cromwell, who is another figure who looks down on her efforts to produce this show. It was interesting how she stood up for herself, but not by defeating him. It was... Mm -hmm. Took a little cajoling, yes, and, you know, I think maybe you could be in the audience thinking, just give it to them. Like, just, you know, break free. 
if he's not going to support you. But she decides to take another tact and she doesn't demoralize him, but again, gently wins him over. Um, now, I do like about the show so far is that um, she's not perfect. From what we've described, it may make it sound like this is, you know, some saint. And once she gets some success from the show and a little bit of power, this is in episode six about there are a few moments of harshness from yeah. her. One is with Paul. He's trying to help her out and bake some bread. And she comes in and sort of gives it to him that he's not doing it properly. And then another with her producer, Alice, over decisions on the show. So I'm curious to see. Uh, I do plan to finish this out and then see how that develops in these last couple of episodes whether, um, you know, that is something that they reckon with a little bit more, how this fame and this power is going to alter a woman who does seem to be this natural, gentle presence otherwise. Mm -hmm. So how about the two of you? Do, you? do you think it's hooked you enough that you might finish it? I know that can be a lot to ask in these days of, of sudden streaming, constant streaming options. But what do you think, Sarah? I mean, I'm in it for the food at the very least. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and and I, I think I'm I'm probably in it for Julia and Paul's relationship as well. It's it's that level of gentleness that I think we talked about um, when we were talking about Marcel as well. Like that seeing another person and then seeing what it is that they need and seeing their created image and, and meeting them on that level. I think that's kind of how Julia approaches her relationship with her father, honestly. And sometimes you do need to to stand up and say no. And sometimes you also need to be able to give a little ground in order to maintain a loving relationship so long, so long as that relationship remains loving. I'm interested in it for those pieces, for sure. All right. Well, Joe, if you decide to finish this out, maybe we'll have to um, reconvene in some way and, and see what we all think about where this, this ends up. But I do want to thank you both for giving it a shot, even though it's a little bit outside of your wheelhouse. <laughs> Sarah, uh, for you, your post at thinkchristian.net on Marcel Deschel, we definitely want to point listeners to that. Is there anything else uh, you've been working on or any podcasts that uh, listeners might want to check out? Yeah. So um, I podcast over at Christ and Pop Culture with the Seeing and Believing podcast, which is a weekly podcast co-hosted with Kevin McLenathan. As of taping, we have an episode about Thor Love and Thunder coming out shortly. Next week, we will be taking a slightly different tack and we'll be talking about RRR, which should be a lot of fun oh, to yeah. watch and review. Still need to catch up with that one myself. Joe, you have a post on the Scott Derrickson horror film Black Phone at thinkchristian.net. should be on the website by the time this episode airs, so listeners should check that out. But what else? I just wrote a blurb for your book, so that must be on the horizon, no? Oh, cool. Yeah, I, I, it's supposed to be being edited. I, it's going to come out this year at some point. Follow me at J-A-George-I-I, where I post everything that I write, and, and we'll give updates on the book. But the superpowers and the glory should be coming out sometime this year. There you go. Well, thanks again to you both. Enjoy the rest of your summers, okay? Thanks. Right, thanks, Josh. Sometimes the gentlest thing is to not use any words at all. An instrumental gem there from Herbie Hancock called Gentle Thoughts. It comes from Hancock's 1976 album, Secrets. In 2017, David Kern put together a list of foodie movies for the TC website, 
and he introduced it with this. The farming process makes me think of the fruit of the Spirit. Food production is so much about love, joy, patience, faithfulness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. In fact, I suspect a wise farmer could craft a whole philosophy of work around Galatians 5 and be quite successful. The same could be said of chefs, the best of which are guided by these Christian fruits, even if they don't know it. Thanks to Joe George and Sarah Welch Larson for helping me consider gentleness in the context of Julia and Marcel the Shell with shoes on. You can keep up with both of them on Twitter. Sarah is at Dodgy Boffin and Joe is at J.A. George I.I. We are on Twitter too, of course. We're also on Facebook. You can find us at Think Christian. And over on YouTube, you can find video versions of this show as well as a bunch of other video content. I do have that essay on Jordan Peele's Us up right now in time for the latest edition of the TC Movie Club. So look for all of that on the Think Christian YouTube channel. If you are watching us on YouTube right now, well, you did miss out on a couple of tracks from the Spotify playlist that John J. Thompson compiled for this episode all around the theme of gentleness. If you want to check that out, search for the Think Christian playlist on Spotify. The TC Podcast is a listener-supported program of Reframe Ministries, a family of programs designed to help you see your whole life reframed by God's gospel story. Visit reframeministries.org for more information. Our audio engineer and post-production supervisor is John Reeder, and Reframe's co-director overseeing content strategy is Robin Basselin. Thank you so much for listening. We'll get together in a couple of weeks. Might take a bit more of a summer pause here, but we will be back to consider how another aspect of our pop culture fandom connects with our fame. 